long. Click the link there for you version. You can search for Good Shepherd under the event name. And uh, all the sermon notes are there. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and center ourselves on God's word this morning. Gracious God, as we gather in this place and as we gather in the spaces of our homes and everywhere, your presence is with us. Your Holy Spirit is not kept here at Good Shepherd or any other church. Though the dove looks down upon us from the ceiling, the dove is near us everywhere. Look up into the ceiling of our houses, into our decks, into the infirmament itself outside. And the power of the Holy Spirit is present. Pour that Spirit now on us as we gather here and as we proclaim your name and as we talk about what it means to be resurrected people with the returning King. The King who came. The King who will come again. So Lord, just pour into the words that I say. May they be acceptable and pleasing to you as we gather in, this, in these places together. In Jesus Christ's name, we ask, we plead, and the people together said, Amen. So what's your favorite part of the Easter story? What part of the Easter story gives you the most hope? The empty tomb? The linen wrappings? A sign of order and chaos? What part helps you know your faith is real? Jesus calling Mary by name? The disciples running to the tomb? Maybe even the fact they're clueless right now and don't understand? What part shows you God's love for you and me? I mean, how has Easter, the resurrection of Jesus, made a worthwhile difference in your life? And especially this year. What is important about Easter? What do you believe? Can you still believe during this time of trial and testing? Has your belief been shaken? You see, the story of our resurrected heart to new life every year begins early in the morning just before dawn. We find this in verse 1. That Hannah read earlier, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw the stone being removed from the tomb. So she ran, and she went to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Where is the part of the Easter story? where you find joy. Our Bishop Bill McAlilly said some things yesterday in a silent Saturday devotional about Easter joy that just struck me that I wanted to share with you today. He said, I don't mean joy based on our circumstances. That is fake joy, shallow joy, superficial joy. That is happiness and it is fleeting. Right now, we have to dig down deeper than being happy. And I add, because none of us is probably happy, especially on Easter Sunday, when we can't be together. 
And he said, you see, true Easter joy is not a feeling when we come and smell the lilies, although they are here and they are as fragrant as usual. You probably almost smell them through the camera, smell-o-vision. And we'll be making them available to everyone as soon as we figure that out. We don't want them to stay here and just die. But we also don't want to cancel our order and hurt the businesses that have all of these flowers already. But we're going to get them out to you to give to other people. He says, Joy is not a sentiment that rises up in us when we gather with other people dressed in our Sunday best. Although it might be a good time to get that Sunday best out, to get out of the rut we're probably already in of just doing everything with no meaning. This year or last year's Easter clothes could help us remember that this is no day like any other. It's different. It's supposed to be different. Go outside. Still take your Easter picture when it stops raining. Find some place to still celebrate that joy. It's important. Stop by one at a time later on. One at a time, please. Take a picture in front of the Easter cross. It's going to be out here all day. Just stop by. Celebrate. Joy is so much more than happiness. Real joy is work. It is the work of God between the cross and the resurrection. Real joy, Easter joy, is God's work in us bringing life out of death. Taking our pain, our suffering, our death, and making something out of it. How are you experiencing real joy? Or where do you need to experience real joy right now? We are people of the way, as it was called by the early Christians. Mary, when she heads out on Sunday morning after the Friday morning of Jesus' crucifixion, is still between the cross and the resurrection. In the stillness, in the darkness, Mary made her way to the place of death. And joy is the last thing Mary expected as she approaches the tomb. The last few days have brought nothing to celebrate. The Jewish leaders could celebrate because they had Jesus out of the way. The soldiers could celebrate their work was done. But to Mary, the last few days were the darkest days of her life. Mary had been there. She heard their shouts of crucify and the sound of the whip striking him. She saw the thorn slice his brow and wept at the weight of his cross. She was there to place her arm around the shoulder of Mary, his mother. She was there to close his eyes and now she was here again. In the early morning mist before dawn, she leaves her house, taking her spices and aloes, walks past the gate and up to the hillside to anoint Jesus' body. She persisted through the darkness, persisted in doing necessary work of preparing him for burial. 
She anticipates it's going to be a somber task. The body will be swollen. His face will be colorless. Death's odor will be a bitter perfume. But she persisted through her grief. Her beloved one, the one who healed the sick, offered forgiveness of sins and gave new life to others, was dead. And in the stillness, in the darkness, she made her way to a stone of shattered dreams and broken hearts. And every year, we gather to tell the same story over and over again. A gaping tomb, confused mourners, unexpected and unbelievable encounters with an angel and a gardener. And every year, the story moves along from searching and sadness to shocking disbelief, and then finally, joy. And every year, we meet the challenge at the heart of Easter Sunday, and especially on this unreal, isolated, and surreal Sunday, to persist through the fear and the darkness and the unknown, to believe beyond what we think that we know, to welcome Christ in unexpected places and faces. And every year we all decide if we will allow our hearts to be transformed by the presence and the very promise of Christ. If we will trust in our own coming into life again and again, But it isn't just once a year we get to decide that. Every day, every day you must decide whether hope is stronger than despair, whether love is stronger than death, whether belief is stronger than doubt. That's what the story is all about. Don't stop believing in these things. And for some of you, this may be your first time to hear this story at all. You've started to move this direction. Nothing else seems to work. You need something more in your life you've never needed before, but now it's here. Or before we think that this is someone else, maybe it's time to hear it really in your heart again, not just your head. And this year it will be new in some ways because after 20 years of doing this, I have never experienced it like this on the holiest of holy days. It's so completely different. But to tell this story like our lives depend on it, because they do, to tell Jesus' story in a way that will bring those of us who still live in death to the hope of life. And that doesn't mean just those who have not come to know Christ in their life. Because I expect there is at least a little bit of death in each one of us that still needs to find new life. Amen? To tell this story is not as a tall tale of the past, but of the rising that is happening right now, right here, today. To not overthink it, but to just tell the story with all your heart. It's the story of Mary Magdalene who came with a broken heart to the tomb just before dawn and saw the beginning of a transformed life. A gray sky gave way to gold as she walks up the narrow trail and as she rounds the final bend, she gasps. The rock in front of the grave has been rolled away. 
It's rolled back. And someone took the body. If that's not the biggest kick in the pants you've ever gotten, to quote Christmas Vacation, but no more than that, it's not G. It's the story of two disciples. Peter, verse 3, and the other one who ran for their lives, hearts pounding toward the empty tomb. And then in verse 8, then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. Peter did not at first. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Didn't understand for three years he told them. But they went back to their homes believing, but not understanding. Seems like us sometimes, doesn't it? We believe, we don't understand. Peter comes out of the tomb bewildered. John comes out believing. Verse 11, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. And the two men go home. And leave her alone with her grief. She can't even touch Jesus one last time. In a time when touch has become so important. When you can no longer do it. But something tells her she's not alone. Maybe she hears a noise. Maybe she hears a whisper. Or maybe she hears her heart telling her to look inside for herself. Whatever the reason, she stoops down and sticks her head into the hewn entrance and she waits for her eyes to adjust to the dark. And it says in verse 12, she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. This is the story of God's messengers who sat among discarded grave clothes, two candles on the end of an altar slab. And Mary hears, Woman, why are you weeping? Can you imagine someone asking you that at a funeral or by the graveside after you've lost someone? Their question is rude unless the ones asking the question know something that you don't. Verse 13 They have taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they have put him. Notice she still calls him Lord. She has such devotion to Jesus. Mary doesn't yet realize that this is also the story of the risen Christ who hung around the garden, maybe just to be with her. Verse 15 said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Jesus says, whom are you looking for? So that Mary won't be alone in her confusion and fear. He is there. But in her grief, she thinks he is the gardener and he will know where the body is. And most of all, it is the story of the risen Lord who calls Mary by name. Jesus said to her, Mary. And Mary was shocked as it was not often you hear your name spoken by God. But when she heard it, she recognized it. And immediately she responded appropriately. And how did she respond appropriately? What was, how do you do that? She worshipped him. 
When Jesus calls your name, you just worship him. And she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Abonai, which means teacher. And at once, he transformed her broken heart into a burning heart. And then the key verse for us right now that really never stuck out until this year. Verse 17. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. Other versions say, don't hold on to me. Don't touch me. Remember this verse in a little while. But Easter reminds us that it's in the darkness the dawn of morning light comes. It's in the darkness we discover the stone has already been rolled away and the love of God has been let loose in the world. It's not very hard at all to see the darkness in the world right now. The darkness is ever-present and it's all too real. And the story we have to tell doesn't discount the darkness or how we feel right now or what the world looks like. But rather it affirms the resurrection that has the power to transform a graveyard into a garden brimming with new life. Resurrection that has the power to break open tombs and tear down walls. Resurrection that has the power to show death for what it is. The possibility for love to come alive again. Easter is always the answer to my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? To believe that anything is possible. We believe the resurrection of Jesus, not the ending of the story, but the beginning of many hope-filled risings to come. And we believe the love of God will come again and again and again to raise our death, to bring us hope. We turn our hearts with hope this day to meet the risen Christ with us, within us, and within the love between us, even when we are scattered, and within the unexpected that inspires us. And here's the key for today and during this time. We grow to understand like Mary that just because she could not touch Jesus doesn't mean she didn't have an experience of the risen Lord. And just because we can't touch Jesus or each other right now in Easter doesn't mean that we can't have an experience of the resurrected Lord. And then like Mary, we must each decide whether hope is stronger than fear, whether faith is stronger than disbelief, whether life is stronger than hate, And whether love really is stronger than death. Every day. Every moment. With all our hearts. That is what resurrection is. And so it has become our story. And the story we pass on to new generations of people. So they and we can go back to the ones we love. And proclaim as Mary did on that first Easter morning to the disciples. When she says, I have seen the Lord. Sometimes an event can be thrust upon you and it takes you by surprise. You never would have predicted it in a million years like now. Now here it is, staring you in the face. What will you do? You can't stay the same. You can't pretend it didn't happen. 
You may not know what to do, but this much is certain. You have to do something. That, my friends, is the resurrection. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Don't stop believing. For the disciples, it took only three days. On Friday, they are in deep despair. But by Sunday night, they are on top of the mountain because of the resurrection. So sometimes things can be quickly reversed. Friday's tragedy emerged as Sunday's savor. And so I wanted to, to be able to close off with um, a piece from Hyde Park United Methodist and the promise of Psalm 91 for 91 days. Listen to Pastor DeVega talk about what happened. You know, King David knew a lot about prayer. In fact, many of the Psalms are written as prayers that are attributed to him. We don't know for sure that he wrote them, but a lot of them are modeled after his heart. And one of those Psalms is Psalm 91, which I will invite us to pray together as a close to this sermon. The idea to do this came from a text message that I received from Reverend Kathy Connor. She's one of the co-pastors at First Presbyterian Church here in downtown Tampa. And she is inviting us and other churches to pray the words of Psalm 91, not just today, but every day for the next 91 days. Psalm 91 for 91 days. And here's why. Uh, she told me the story of how back in 2014... She joined colleagues in Africa in reading and praying Psalm 91 during the tragic outbreak of the Ebola virus. And this is what she said. She said, during the week of the 91st day, the New York Times reported that the Ebola virus finished in the epicenter of Liberia, much to the amazement of scientists and health officials. So I can't think of a better way for us to close this sermon and to begin this weird season of uh, transition for us as a church to read this daily scripture, to read this scripture together, um, and for you to include it in your daily readings over the days and weeks to come. So we invite you to follow along, speak it out loud wherever you are as we close in this prayer together. Let us pray. You who live in the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night or the arrow that flies by day or the pestilence that stalks in darkness or the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. 
because you have made the Lord your refuge, the Most High your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, no scourge come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Those who love me, I will deliver. I will protect those who know my name. When they call to me, I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. With long life, I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. In the name of our Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer, Amen. So during the Ebola outbreak of 2014, health officials were predicting over one million people would die in three months. And they were led to pray Psalm 91 every day for 91 days and invite others to do the same. And this group did. In the very week we completed the 91st day, an article in the New York Times declared the Ebola virus outbreak finished in its epicenter in Liberia, much to the amazement of scientists and health officials. Our Lord is mighty to save. The Psalms were written to help and guide us on how and what to pray. Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes, The more deeply we grow into the Psalms and the more often we pray them as our own, the more simple and rich will our prayer become. So I want you to pray Psalm 91 with me for 91 days. That will actually be July 12th. So pray Psalm 91 every day until July 12th. So whether you feel like the tomb is still closing, closed tightly shut for you, or the stone is partially rolled away, or even if the stone is gone right now, don't stop believing. Say it at home. Don't stop believing. God didn't stop believing in us. Faith is not canceled. Say, faith is not canceled. Hope is not closed. Hope is not closed. Love is always present. Love is always present. So don't stop believing. Nothing can stop Easter. Nothing can stop Easter. Amen. So in order to be able to help you, and I'll be posting this, uh, this prayer as well, um, but there is actually a model and guide prayer that another church did for Psalm 91, and I want to give this invitation to you from that prayer. Lord, thank you for the rest that comes when I choose to live in your shelter. I declare you alone are my refuge, my place of safety. You are my God. I trust in you. I pray you will protect me and my family from the coronavirus. I pray you will cover me and shelter me. I thank you for your faithful promises that remind you will protect me. Help me not to be afraid of all that I hear and all that I see. Help me not to dread the virus that is terrorizing our world. Lord, many are sick and more are fearful and anxious. I pray for protection for me, my family, my church, my community, my city, my state, my country, my continent, and my world. I pray, Lord, as I make you my refuge, that no evil will conquer us nor come near our home. I pray for protection by your angels wherever I go. 
Lord, I love you. I trust you. Please rescue and protect me. Thank you for answering when I call. Thank you for being with me in trouble. Thank you for salvation and the hope of heaven. Amen. And so today, perhaps you um, have been with us several weeks. We've been doing um, a comfort food love feast. We will not celebrate communion together until we gather together in person. It's a personal decision of mine. I want it to be that meaningful when we come back together. As Jesus said, I will not receive this meal again with you until later. And I want us to be gathered together for that. But I also want us to be able to experience the love of Christ that comes through the bread and the juice. And so every week we've been doing something different with that. This week you may have had communion left over from having picked it up for Palm Sunday. You may have your cups and your little pieces of bread all intact in one little thing. Those are 100% blessed by me when I gave them out. So they are indeed communion. Though we will not say the words. I said the words when we were here and I blessed them. But we can all gather up bread or breakfast or um, juice or water or whatever you're drinking this morning to be able to share that in a love feast, which is not communion, but simply a gathering together. And so we have a different kind of love feast today. So go ahead and take a moment to gather up something you want to use, a comfort food still if you want to, a bread, uh, juice, water, milk, and cookies, whatever it is that you find this morning that brings you peeps and orange juice. That doesn't sound very good, does it? No. Okay. So gather those things up, and as we gather back together, hear these words. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. In the peace of the risen Christ, let us pray to the Lord for the joy of his holy and life-giving resurrection. For the gift of strength and healing for all who suffer and whose lives are weighed down by the viral pandemic, especially medical workers, first responders, those who must work and those who are out of work, the sick and the families, all who lost someone they love. For courage and wisdom to act for the common good, especially leaders of the nations of the world, leaders of the faith communities, including our own United Methodist Church, its conferences and congregations, employers and decision makers, parents and caregivers. For the vulnerable, the isolated, and those whose voices are not heard, especially the poor, the elderly, and the very young. And let us pray for our family, for Good Shepherd and all of those who gather with us this day. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, 
and you will renew the face of the earth. Let us join together in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Hear these words from Romans chapter 6, beginning with verse 3. Or don't you know that all who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried together with him through baptism into his death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too can walk in newness of life. If we are united together in a death like his, we are also united together in a resurrection like his. This is what we know. The person that we used to be was crucified with him in order to get rid of the corpse that had been controlled by sin. That way, we wouldn't be slaves to sin anymore. Because a person who has died has been freed from sin's power. But if we died with Christ, we have faith that we will also live with him. We know that Christ has been raised from the dead, and he will never die again. Death no longer has power over him. He died to sin once and for all, his death, by he, but he lives for God with his life. In the same way, you should also consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive for God in Christ Jesus. I was thankful that our Bishop Bill McAlilly decided to film two of the resurrection um, scriptures. And so we're actually going to be able to hear from him across our connection to be able to share with us Matthew 28, 1 through 10. The gospel reading for today is from Matthew's gospel, the 28th chapter, verses 1 through 15. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord, descending from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know who you're looking for. You're looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, as they said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples, He has been raised from the dead, and indeed he's going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. And suddenly Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God.
And so as you have that food and drink in front of you, I, I want you to be able to... Um, everybody in your house participating and say these words as you pass it to each other. It's a little differently. You can pass it to one another and serve one another. I just want you to say Christ is risen and the person can answer hallelujah. So I want you to pass it to each other. Say it. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. And then pass that around in your family. Just take a moment to do that right now and say, Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. And hear this prayer of thanksgiving. Let us pray. God of new life. With the rising of the sun, you have raised Jesus Christ and delivered him and us from death's destruction. We praise you for all your gifts and especially for the assurance of your presence at every meal in all our sharing. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. May we be one in Christ one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world. Until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.
give these words of encouragement as we close. Do not abandon yourself to despair. We are the Easter people, and hallelujah is our song. Pope John Paul II said that. And now may you shelter not only in place, but in peace. May the peace and comfort of Christ be present with you now and forevermore. Amen. And he is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen and amen.